You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Cass, come in. Are you there? Kind of busy at the moment, boss. <gasps> okay. I think that... I think that did it. Jaeger, what's your status? Listen, they're taking Tam off-world. How fast can you get to the tower? We're on our way. Don't let her leave, Jaeger. Broadcasting from a hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith, rebels and Imperials, technological terrors and fantastic creatures legends so great you won't believe them but it's true all of it so what are you waiting for strap in and get ready to make the jump with rebel cells the star wars animation podcast Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Star Wars Resistance season finale, No Escape Part 2. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, uh, and with me as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky, and joining us for the first time on the podcast uh, in person is uh, the Padawan herself, Cassie Scutch. Say hi, everybody. (laughs) Hi. Hey, hey, it's our first time. It's like a, uh, I don't know, triple threat here today. Triple threat. First time getting to speak. I mean, me and Cassie haven't even got a chance to (laughs) jump into this uh, episode, Mike. Uh, Wow, here it is. We finally made it to the finale, um, a a season which has started slow, and we talked about that. But this last half has been pretty darn good, and uh, this finale, I don't know, man, it's... a lot of questions, a lot of things to answer, but some questions going into it. So, uh, I'm sorry, but Cassie, go ahead. Hey, kind of took over there. Go ahead. Hey, no, it's no, it's okay. I'm beyond nervous right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't know. I'm excited yeah. to be here. Um, what, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Cass. No, I don't know what I was saying. Go ahead. <laughs> It's all good. good. You have you have absolutely no reason to be nervous. Uh, For anybody who hasn't been listening to our Forces of Destiny recaps, uh, Cassie has been doing an awesome job over there holding down the fort on her own. Um, And I'll just say I had to do Quiver by myself last week, and um, I haven't solo podcasted in a very, very, (laughs) very long time. Uh, And uh, I was very grateful at the end of that hour and six minutes. Um, to have Matt uh, and uh, and Amanda and uh, and and previously Curtis um, to to co-host with me because it's a lot of work. Like, don't get me wrong, 
there will be parts of this episode where I will talk for a good 10 minutes straight without breaking. <laughs> and you guys will just be listening to me go. But it's good that every once in a while I can stop, take a breath, collect my thoughts, maybe have a drink, uh, and not have to carry it entirely myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, Cassie, you got no, you have no reason to be nervous because you <laughs> are killing it over there with your uh, with your recaps for uh, Forces of Destiny. So just do the same thing here that you do there, but um, but now you just have to interrupt me for the most part not matt as much but mostly me i've been mentally preparing myself for interrupting you the entire day so (laughs) um cool before we jump into the season finale episode which i well let's just say right off the bat they kicked it into high gear i uh finally (laughs) finally we can say that this is a this is a true star wars show um but before we get into that let's just talk a little bit of quick news um Biggest news item is that there is no news. Uh, So this is going to be our last episode until Star Wars Celebration, unless they drop something huge that's worth talking about. But that is not going to happen. I'm I now I'm going out there. I'm guaranteeing that it's not going to happen, which almost guarantees that it will happen. But I'm hoping (laughs) that by guaranteeing that guarantee, it's still not going to happen. So we'll see. I, you guys can count how many fingers I have crossed on that one, but we are less than a month away from star Wars celebration. We still don't know what episode nine is called. Uh, we don't have release dates for the clone wars or the Mandalorian. Uh, we don't really know a heck of a lot about any of the projects that are in the works right now. We don't know what the movies are like, what the movie release schedule is after episode nine. We know, roughly about a few movies that are in production but uh but nothing has titles nothing it's all just we don't know what the subject matter is for anything um it's all up in the air and we're not gonna hear much of anything i think until star wars celebration from here until then any news that we get is going to be what we've gotten in the last couple weeks which is this panel is going to be a celebration and and it's really just them pushing it down the road and telling us there will be information about this at Star Wars Celebration. So, um, so yeah, with that in mind, our second biggest piece of news is the rumor that the Benioff Weiss project uh, uh, is going to start shooting in the fall and will be taking place before the era of the Skywalkers. So how far before that, we don't know yet, but obviously... The rumor mill is speculating that this is an old Republic story, um, and I don't mean uh, uh, prequel era old Republic. We're talking about Kotor era, um, which is which is I think a safe bet. That's kind of what we've been talking about for a while. But um, I don't know what 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 do you guys think, Cassie? What do you think about this potential news? Well, I think that this is that they should be doing something like this I, because we're we've kind of if you think about like the space of like time, we've only gotten like a short sliver and we've used up all the story. I think we could I mean, there's still obviously a ton that uh, there is to learn about this, like what, 90 year period that we have here. But I mean, it's going to be interesting to get away from that and start to look into other stories that can be about other characters that 
doesn't have to do with the rebellion, but something that is, I don't know, new and uncharted. I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be cool. Uh, Matt, what about you? Yeah, here's the thing. I got a couple things. Um, first of all, a couple things surprised me. Shooting in the fall, I mean, that is way earlier than I think anybody was expecting. I mean, I thought a lot, most of us are expecting this thing two, three years out. To have this, poten- and again, this is just rumors, but if this is true, this is extremely earlier than we thought. And the other thing about before the Skywalkers, the other rumor is going around, it's hundreds of years. Well, even like five, six, seven hundred years, well, Yoda would still be alive. So there's a potential there. I don't think they would go that route, but he could still be out there 900 years old. Even if he went back that long, he's still around. So that was kind of another, I think, uh, thing I saw floating around on Twitter. Um, but I tell you what, guys, this is the stuff that excites me. The casting stuff, eh, not so much, but this, whoa, getting back to the the thing that, the core thing that I love about Star Wars is the Force, the Jedi, the Sith, uh, and the incarnations of that that we've seen with The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens in Episode Nine. Uh, this is what I get excited about. Whoo, my goodness. And to have this, like everybody's been saying, Episode Nine, Mike, is the end of the Skywalker saga. If they bring something like this around, I could definitely see that. Like, okay, we, we've got the Skywalker story. Now, now let's tell something way back in the, you know, before all this happened, how did we get to the Skywalkers? Well, this is how it happened. This is the old myth of the Jedi and, and the Sith and all that kind of thing. And so, mm-hmm. man, I, I tell you what, I'm, this is the thing that I'm most excited about hearing. And, and the time frame is just bananas to me because I'm like, wow, that's way early. But I don't, what do you think, Mike? This is crazy. You think they're gonna, we're going to be shooting this this fall? Um, I I think it's entirely possible. Uh, it it kind of all depends on what shape this is all taking and um, and where the story is coming from. Uh, we know that they are um, uh, producing and directing it. I don't know. Are they writing it as well? Is that was that confirmed? That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, so that's kind of the big question mark because if they've been writing it, it's like well they've been working on Game of Thrones which obviously uh, is coming to a close uh, in, in about the next month or two. Um, it starts in the middle of April, so we're, we're about three, four weeks away from it Yeah. Um, starting. And it's only six episodes, I think, the final season. Um, yeah. No, I say only six episodes. Some of those episodes are over They're an like, hour and a half long. Yeah. But, but um, same amount of content, just broken up differently. But... They've obviously been in very, very heavy post-production. I don't know. See, as executive producers on it, as showrunners on a TV show, I suppose that they, they've got downtime in there in between visual effects composites and edits and stuff like that, potentially. But I also don't, with a, with a production as big as Game of Thrones, I would find it very surprising that they would have had time to write. But... Mm-hmm. Then again, I mean, like, like you're talking about the two guys that have done uh, eight seasons of possibly the most ambitious television yeah. series of all time, yeah. and they cram it in to pretty short periods. I mean, like when when you think about it on the scale of like, what are they doing? Because they're doing they're the visual effects and the the 
the storytelling I would say is on par. It's it's equal to Star Wars at points, like at times. Obviously not in every episode, but you're talking about massive sets. You're talking about uh, intensive CG, uh, and you're talking about wrangling actors all around the world, um, uh, like a global production. That is a Star Wars production, right? Like they are very very uh, attuned to this kind of work. So the idea that they could that that they could be turning around a script for the first film or at least that they're confident that they will be done the first film by fall um, along with all the other pre-production that they have to do in order to start shooting because uh, fall let's also put that into perspective it's it's right now it's it's march um september is six months away um is that right yeah april may june july August. yeah september so um it's six months away but fall could mean november <laughs> which uh which gives them another two months that's eight months and that's all that's almost a year um yeah. the, and and if they've already started breaking story on that first film um then you know uh finishing drafts it's it's I think that that's enough time for them to get started. Like I said, they, these guys are experts at this kind of production. And this is this is the shift that uh, um, Marvel made. And I think that this is Lucasfilm taking a, a, a note out of Marvel's playbook. If you look at the directors for Marvel films, um, first off, they're getting into a thing of like there being more than one director, which is very smart. The other thing is that they are taking television directors and moving them up into feature film. And the reason why they're doing that, I've talked about this a lot on other podcasts, particularly on Quiver and and the Thunderquack podcast. Um, The reason that they're doing that with Marvel is because they don't need auteur uh, stylistic changes or directors from film to film. They have a consistent style that they're shooting for. They have fairly consistent tones with the exception of, let's say, Taika Waititi and James Gunn, which congrats to James Gunn for being reinstated on Guardians of the Galaxy. That's good news. Um, but with the exception of them, those two who take a little bit of a tonal shift um, in doing the comedy aspect of things um, and really hitting that. I uh, visually everything is is very standardized with the Marvel films and bringing in TV directors who are used to coming into a, a property that has an established look, has an established tone, um, has rules to follow uh, that it, I think it works a lot better than when you bring in um, somebody like Edgar Wright to do Ant-Man. And he has his own vision that he wants to see through to fruition, and it doesn't match yes. uh, what what Marvel wants to to deliver as part of their franchise, right? It's like if somebody opened up a McDonald's and all of a sudden they had spaghetti on the menu, you'd be like, "Hold up, McDonald's does not have spaghetti." Uh, and it, regardless of how good that spaghetti tastes, if you went to McDonald's, if you walk into a McDonald's, you would be expecting a Big Mac and Chicken McNuggets, right? Like that's that's sort of the 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 ideology with television production as opposed to film production where it's much more one off. 
the Star Wars films have gone through, they've learned this lesson a lot faster than Marvel did, but they've learned the same lesson by bringing in, uh, with, with, uh, bringing in Gareth Edwards, who obviously had his own vision for Rogue One. And there were some, there was some back and forth on that. And they ended up sort of like toning down how dark he wanted to make that movie. Um, and then obviously with, um, uh, they booted Colin Trevorrow for whatever reason, I think with good reason, um, based on some of the other stuff that he's done. Uh, and, uh, and, and obviously what happened with Lord Miller, who are, then this is the thing. All of these people are, well, Colin Trevorrow, maybe not as much, but the others are, <laughs> are incredibly talented, skilled people who are able to pull off incredible things. Spider-Verse, one of my favorite movies from last year. Solo is my favorite movie from last year. And uh, what did they do? They brought in a tried and true I. I knowledgeable director who wasn't gonna rock the boat in order to to write that ship and i think looking forward when they had to make that decision and very soon after that we started getting announcements about uh, benioff and wise and all that um i think i think that that disney and lucasfilm looked at who they were tapping and the problems they were having and realize what we need are not people who are going to come in here and try and make Star Wars their own, but people who are going to come in and they are going to contribute to the Star Wars story, right? Mm-hmm. And th- those are different things. It's a really small distinction. It's a really, really fine distinction. But I think it's a very important distinction because um, do I want to see cool, weird Star Wars stuff? Sure. Um, but but let's use the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars as an example. Um that's no longer canon, right? And right. Uh, and and Dave Filoni's Star Wars: The Clone Wars usurped that as canon, and the reason why is because Gendy Tartakovsky put his own spin on it, and he added his own flavor to Star mm. Wars, and I love the Gendy Tartakovsky stuff. It's fantastic, right? Sure. Yeah. But Mace Windu taking on an entire battalion of battle droids by himself and destroying that massive ship and all the stuff that he does, which is the example that I always go back to, it doesn't mesh with what we see in the films. Mm -hmm. The Clone Wars, it does, right? Even Rebels, which expands on and pushes forward, it still meshes with the films right it expands on but it it, but it's consistent with um and star wars resistance is getting there as well right i that that's kind of what they need for star wars um the other thing that i'll say about this this project um is that people should be careful what they wish for i am 100 percent fine with them doing an old republic story um but i'm fine with that because i have no Sort of like I'm not I'm not precious about Knights of the Old Republic or the Old Republic video game or Knights of the Old Republic comics. I don't care about any of those characters enough to worry about them changing anything. Um, If they want to come in and they want to tell the definitive story of Darth Revan, that's fine. And if it's different from the from the video game, which ultimately it has to be. Um, because you're talking about completely different mediums, then that's fine by me. I don't care. But I know that there are a lot of people, 
maybe even hosts on other Thunderquack podcasts who <laughs> shall remain Kyleless. Sorry, I mean nameless. Uh-huh. Uh, who will have a huge issue with that, right? Because they have tied up a lot of emotional investment into into some of those characters. Um, I would love to see Darth Revan and Bastila on on the big screen um, realized uh, in 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 film form. Um, mm-hmm. What I would really love is if they took some of those concepts and they did their own story completely separate from that stuff and stayed away from it. Um, but uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see, right? It's it, this is all rumor at the moment, so it's not worth yeah. getting upset sure. over just yet. Um, the milk has not yet spilled, but I see it tipping, um, <laughs> and there's well, going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of uh, Knights of the Old Republic fans that are going to be extremely upset when they sit down in the theater and and their hopes and dreams of Knights of the Old Republic made into a film aren't realized because you just you can't tell that story in a movie um no it's it's not the same as i mean like think about knights of the old republic and the the aspect of it where you're making choices and you're going down a path and you can be light side or dark side which is great for that video game i love those games but that doesn't like the the story is built around those choices you can't then take those choices and turn them into one story because some of those story points won't make any sense. Um, they won't have the same sort of gravitas or, or uh, meaning if you're not the one making that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the biggest problem is that if you made a decision to be a dark sider and I made a decision to be a light sider, we have very different versions of that game in our head. Um, mm-hmm. And that game is now, uh, over 15 years old i think so that's a long time to sit with that and process that and go back and play it again and um, all that sort of thing so i i don't know i think that that's dangerous territory um but that being said like i'm fine with it i think that could be cool but there are thousands of years to cover there yeah. i i would actually honestly rather see them do something with you like Caldroma or uh uh, any of the characters from the tales of the Jedi comics and making that stuff Canon because that stuff is officially legends. So let's, let's remix that and bring it forward. Um, and going back to Onderon, making Onderon uh, a, a pivotal place in the story. Uh, I, that far in the, in the past and, and seeing it in live action. So we've seen it in the clone wars. Uh, it, I think that would be fantastic. That, that to me is the best thing that they could do. I don't know that that has quite as much cachet as the more recent Knights of the Old Republic stuff. Um, but yeah. I don't know. We'll see. You know what? And and if this rumor is hundreds of years, they can avoid the whole issue of Knights of the Old Republic by going back hundreds of years, but they don't have to go back a thousand years. So maybe they're trying to avoid all that and they're just going to go back hundreds of years and, and, tell a different story who knows uh again this is all the speculation but i'll tell you what these guys um are have been in charge of game of thrones for years decade now i guess um probably in and arguably the most popular show in television history and these guys were the ones that were kind of driving the ship of that you got to be excited about them doing a star wars now again i said this when they first announced these guys that 
they didn't actually, you know, this is George R. R. Martin's story. This isn't particularly, you know what I'm saying, their story. But what they did in adapting and everything is just been genius. So you gotta you gotta have a little confidence in that and, and that's what I'm so excited about. So good good yeah. uh good stuff. Go ahead, Cassie. Jump no, on. I just I was gonna say I think if anybody is like perfect to do something, uh it's them. Because I feel I feel a lot like Game of Thrones is similar to Star Wars, and a lot right. of people don't get that practice, I guess. Like, or I won't say Game of Thrones is practice, obviously, but um, I think if anybody's going to do a good job, it's them. And that's just yeah, where I'm at. But I also like you were saying with the people who are definitely going to get it. I totally see the second that they do something old republic. I know of at least ten people that I see on a daily basis that are going to be very upset that they're missing somebody. And I think if they go into the old republic, they're going to need to make a huge distinction, uh, being that like these are not. You know, they can either do it perfectly to the T, like have all the old characters, or they need to just completely butt all that out. Because I think we, as Star Wars fans, will always get something, and then we're going to want it to be so much better. And I think if we give them a little bit, they're going to be like, ah, but like, Mm -hmm. this isn't in it. So I think that's a decision they're going to have to make there. Um, And I'm interested to see what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 sorry, I, my hope is that they avoid a Mandalorian situation, um, mm-hmm. not the Mandalorian, the TV series, but what happened with Mandalore during the Clone Wars, because um, yeah. that that was a huge deal at the time, and there are some people who still don't like the Clone Wars because it retconned the story of Mandalore and the clones, and it essentially um i sort of uh overwrote anything that karen travis had written in in the republic commando novels um and you know for for me personally i don't mind i i'm fine with that i like the story that we got with mandalore ultimately but um but people did not initially react positively and there are people there are lots of people who don't watch Clone Wars who have never watched Clone Wars because of what happened with that storyline. Um, it's a shame. It is a shame because, because I think what they did was ended up being great. And, and, and especially once you get into rebels and I think with the Mandalorian this fall, um, I think that we got that fleshed out and we understand that a little bit more, um, to the point where it's like, well, this is one of the great things is that star Wars for a long time was about, you see this one character and they represent an entire species. Um, and that was George sort of looking at everybody and going like Boba Fett. Well, first of all, he's not even a real Mandalorian. (laughs) And also his father was part of this splinter faction. And when the, when the maker himself sort of decrees something and says, no, Mandalore is actually this. You have to, you have to kind of step back and go, oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. But but obviously uh, Benioff and Weiss won't have that the benefit of that on their side. Yeah, well, the Mandalore storyline has been something that, like, it coincides 
uh, uh, with the same time period. I love how that's a thing, is that, like, we have bits of Mandalore within uh, the story that we already have, but it's, like, a good secondary story, and I think that's the start of us getting uh, something that's not the Skywalkers that's still Star Wars and still interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, I mean, like, uh, so here, here's an idea. What if it was the story of, um, you know, the story that uh, that uh, uh, gets told to who told who tells Sabine the story? It's. Um, oh, my gosh. Um, what's his it's... name? Can't remember it off the top of my head, but when he tells the story and we get that 2D sequence in Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, of yeah. like uh, like the sort of glyphs, the animated glyphs telling the story. Tarvisla story. Yeah, yeah, and uh, how cool would it be to get that as a, a series of films? Because we've heard that like it's not just one movie, but it's several several movies, right? Well, I'm sure they were trying to kind of set up for that because I feel yeah. like we're always getting like little bits, like, "Hey, I'm gonna put this right here," so like later on, it's yeah. alluding to another thing. Yeah, everything uh, seems to be very interconnected at the moment. Um, and yeah. I could very much see that connecting into The Mandalorian and it all kind of sewing itself together. Yeah. Um, so that could be really cool. Uh, cool. Well, uh, we could speculate until the cows come home, but um, we have a season finale to talk about. So let's, uh, let's jump into the recap. All right, let's do it. <clears throat> Calculate the jump, Chop. How is my boyfriend doing? Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. What was that? What was what? The throwing and the falling. Over there. Don't think about it. Kenobi. Ahsoka! Kenobi! So you mean to tell me you were staging a rescue, not attempting to hijack a Jedi starship? You're welcome! Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Episode Recap. All right, here we go. Here we go. No Escape, uh, part number two, the finale here, directed by Sal Ruiz, written by Brandon Alman, and I'm going to start off you guys. Following the First Order's destruction of several systems, including Kaz's home planet of Hosnian Prime, the young spy is devastated but determined. He says, we have to stop them, Tora, no matter what. So actually, there's a lot of um, this. I'll just kind of start here, Mike. Uh, last week, we ended with the destruction of the Hosnian Prime. Uh, Kaz's home, obviously, linking up with the events of the uh, Force Awakens. So this episode starts... Again, with Hux's speech, and we see the explosion wiping out uh, the Galactic Senate, and more importantly, for this part of the story, Kaz, his parents, his friends, the whole thing, and Kaz saying, you know, and here's one thing that Kaz says, and I was going to ask you about this, Mike, and Cassie, you, if you have any ideas, uh, before we get to the title break, he goes, uh, uh, we have to stop, and he says him, he goes, we have to stop him, and it goes to this title break, and then we get back into the story. Um, am I reading too much into into that particular sentence when he says we have to stop him is he just talking about he thinks it's uh um hux or is he is there something else or am i just reading too much into that any thoughts mike well, i think he says we have to stop them oh is it yeah them? it's them <laughs> says, yeah 
Oh, that's look. He could have said him and it'd be uh, Commander Pyre. Yeah. Um, okay. It's probably them, though, but that, that's obviously... Matt, Matt I, we, we need to have an intervention here, okay? I, I, I know that you want to see Kylo Ren on this series. <laughs> I think we will next season you think we will next season i don't think that yes. we will i think that all of next season is going to be them lost in the outer or like on, on look yeah. oh they're gonna find ezra we have a much better chance of seeing ezra next season than we have of seeing any of the characters from the from from the sequel trilogy um yeah. i think season three maybe but i don't think season two mm-hmm. um I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe second half of season two, but certainly not first half of season two. Um, yeah, I mean, not to not to to get get into the end of the episode too quick, but but the fact that they've jumped clear across the galaxy and we don't know where they're going, like that they have no idea where they're going. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, we've heard the name Kylo Ren in the series before. Mm-hmm. Um, the twins talk about it and. Every time I see that darn shuttle coming, I think, oh, is this the time? Are they just gonna just gonna float it out there a little bit? Just let me see them real quick. But no. And, and, and again, I it was it's got to be them. I I was just I guess projecting. I thought there was more to it than that. I thought, oh man, this is gonna be something. This is a little like Easter egg. Who's he talking about? Is it him? Anyway, that totally blows out my whole thing. Never mind. On to the next paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Go ahead uh, All right. Cats, Tora, and CB-23 finally reach the cell holding Doza and Yeager and free their friends. While it's a huge risk, they're resolved to get the Colossus, which has not flown in 20 years, in the air. Um, yeah, so this is this is the stakes of the episode, right? This is their whole plan is that if they can get this thing airborne, uh, they can uh, they can escape the, uh, the, the First Order. But uh, obviously the... the, the the Colossus is um, full of stormtroopers, so they're gonna yeah. have to deal with that. I like this is the thing that I am the most excited about for next season. We've talked about this a lot already this season, but the Colossus is huge. It's a massive capital ship, right? We know that now. Um, mm-hmm. The the inhabitants of the Colossus. I, I, or the, at least the, the, the ones that we're the most familiar with, they spend their time above the surface and it's the, what, what I can never remember the name of the species. What are they? The Chilidae? Uh, yeah. The Chilidae, they deal with everything below the surface, right? Mm-hmm. Which we yeah. thought at first was like, okay, a little bit below the surface. Now we know that, like that's the, the overwhelming majority of the ship. Um, I love the idea that there are dangers and and uh, adventures within just the ship mm. that that are mystery mysterious at this point. They're like, oh, I don't know, like what's what what is the rest of the ship? Is it <laughs> is it mostly mechanical? Is this thing a super weapon? Maybe like like when when was this thing built? Is it just a space station? Is it is it meant to be a capital ship? Like, how did it get to Castellan? There are so many mysteries to explore just with the Colossus. Um, and and uh, this this finale to me, it uh, it's re- it really set up something incredible. And I yep. got such hardcore vibes of uh, Stargate Universe, which... <laughs> 
I don't know. I, I don't know how many people watched Stargate Universe. It got canceled in its second season, but um, I loved that show, and it was a very similar idea of like they got on a ship and it started going, and uh, and and they didn't know where it was going or how to get off of it. Like it was kind of hurtling through space, um, and it was full of mysteries. They didn't really know. They they were stuck on a very small part of the ship. And there was the rest of this ship to explore and then all of the things that they encounter out in space. And uh, and, and I think that this is going to go a very similar direction um, where we're going to be somewhere in the unknown regions. And it's going to be a matter of getting getting back to the resistance um, and uh, and saving the day and and um, simultaneously telling the story of of um, Tam and the First Order. Uh, oh yeah. yeah so like that's there's so much to look forward to in season two um it's, uh, it just kills me that like we're done for the season now um, <laughs> i know right it was just away. getting good yeah yeah and they didn't even say in this you're talking about how long this thing this thing has been sitting in this area for 20 years and, and they even say you know it, it's yeah. a huge risk to even get this thing up in the air so they don't know what's going to happen this yeah. thing this thing's sitting in the water for 20 years so anyway um Go ahead, I'll, Mike, I'll continue. Yeah. To launch the station, they'll need to release all the water it took on while being submerged in Castellan's oceans. Niku devises a plan that works and also flushes out some stormtroopers in the process. Shortly after, Niku receives a transmission from a surprising source, Aunt Z. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, they uh, <laughs> basically the plan is to get the stormtroopers to follow them into right. specific tunnels and then flood those tunnels in order to pump the, the water out. Um, and, uh, and it works. Yeah. Actually, Niku started the plan just a tad early. Just a tad uh, early. Yeah. <laughs> was it right? But it ultimately worked, uh, in the end as well. And Tam or Tor is actually doing the same kind of thing. She's luring the stormtroopers away. And, and their plan is like you said, Mike flush out the first order and they get caught in these corridors as they get flushed out to sea and you see stormtroopers kind of fall into the water and the uh, whatever species that fish is starts to eat them. Uh, so actually, it wasn't a, it's a bad thing for the stormtroopers uh, getting dumped in the water and getting eaten. So, um, uh, but yeah, and Z. It's almost like alligators. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, definitely get that little allig- alligator or crocodile type vibe from them. Mm. Um, but uh, and Z though, uh, she's coming up here. That's the... Uh, the transmission, and we're going to see here in a second here. Meanwhile, I'll continue. Meanwhile, Commander Pyre grows frustrated at the continued setbacks. Agent Tyranny suggests they call in reinforcements and decide to take Tam off-world. After the first order of the officer leaves Doza's office, Yeager and Doza emerge, having heard Tyranny and Pyre's conversation. So Agent Tyranny, Mike, uh, and Cassie, taking uh, Tam off-world, so... Uh, Empire here is starting to get a little more aggressive. He's like, okay, this is it. We've, I've had enough. I'm done with this. Let's go. Um, but uh, Pyre decides to leave, and Tyranny and Tam obviously follow with her. So Tam, and I noticed this when when they were walking her, um, they definitely made it a point to show her face and kind of like the struggle she was still having with making this decision. Because I, I, at this point, I don't think she clearly had made a decision yet. Uh, obviously, she's probably leaning more towards Tyranny, but I don't know. What do you think? Mike just thinks she's still contemplating 
what to do at this point? Um, I think she's making a decision based purely on emotion uh, and she's not really thinking through what she's doing. Uh, she obviously doesn't have all of the information. She didn't, she doesn't know about what happened to, um, to Hosnian prime mm-hmm. and those other systems. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I think, I, I think that, uh, it's going to be a struggle for her mm-hmm. next season when she realizes what she's gotten herself into. And uh, I think that there might be an opportunity for them to, to, to um, use her as a way to, to infiltrate the first order. Um, that might be the, one of the directions that they're going with that. Cause I don't see her being, she's not, Tam is not evil. Right. So whatever, yeah. whatever yeah. she's going through, I think that at a certain point she'll, she'll turn that around and, uh, and come back to the good guys. But uh, hopefully not too quick. Hopefully we get to see a lot of the first order and learn a lot about them before that happens. Yeah. Cassie, you have any thoughts on Tam? I mean, obviously, uh, she feels she's basically been lied to. And I think, like you said, Mike, she's just pure emotion. Cassie, any any thoughts on uh, well, Tam? Well, I mean, we'll get to the we get to this with the next uh, bit. But oh, go ahead. I was sitting there uh, thinking more about how in her eyes, there's nothing wrong with the First Order. They're just another military group and they're offering her something she wants, whereas you know, she has sort of been betrayed by her friends. And I saw her, you know, where she says up here, everything you told me was a lie. Like, she has 100% reason to be mad at them. And I think that anybody from her perspective would have made that decision. Now, whether or not it was the right decision, we're going to have to, like, figure out. But I think that that was the better decision for her in that moment. This moment, yeah. Well, like you said, this this is kind of the, the point um, where she makes a decision. Go ahead. This is uh, your paragraph. I think this is what Go you're ahead. talking about here. Yeah. All right. Kaz, Tori, and Yeager meet Tam in the First Order on the landing platform. Tam is angry. Everything you told me was a lie, she says to Kaz. As troops surround our heroes, Kaz, Kaz gives Niku the signal, and the Colossus rises from the oceans. So there you go. This is, uh, again, like I said earlier, she just thinks everybody has been lying to her this whole time. She's on the Colossus mic. Uh, she even tells Yeager she's she's mad at Yeager for what he's doing, mad at Kaz. And and she has somebody in turning. Again, we talked about this last week, I think, with Tierney. She's just a, like a master manipulator as far as, um, you know, getting Tam to come to her side. And, and she just has the exact right things to say to get Tam over. Uh, that's ultimately what happens here. Um, go ahead, Mike, any thoughts? Or you want yeah, to no, I, I think um, the, the one criticism that I think that people will have with this scene is Kaz not saying anything about mm. Starkiller Base and Hosnian Prime. Um, I, that was my first sort of instinct was like, hey, why wouldn't you tell her what they just did in order to tell her like that. No, they are evil. They just killed billions of people, probably trillions of people. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause as we've learned, so this is one of the things we've kind of glossed over this a couple of times um, in the force awakens. It's not entirely clear how much of the new Republic they destroyed in hmm. these recaps. We get 
the note that they've destroyed systems, not mm-hmm. not system. It's not just all of the planets of the Hosnian system. They destroyed multiple systems with that shot. So they killed like like it's on the it's on a scale way bigger than than the Death Star, right? Because mm-hmm. um, they destroyed multiple planets within the Hosnian system and and clearly other ones as well and so like how many like it like that beam splits off into like five beams and then i guess splits again within those systems right like i i they like the first order is is straight up evil um (laughs) and that would be the most logical thing to tell tam sorry in order to um convince her that what she's doing is wrong that said there's a lot going on in this scene and uh kaz and yeager are at gunpoint <laughs> um yeah. yeah right they are right about to do the most ridiculous thing they've ever done since a couple episodes ago when they when they sunk part of the the colossus um this is even crazier to to launch the entire thing into space um so so i forgive those characters for not having the presence of mind and this is this is just one of those things this is a bit of a psa to everybody listening to this um just because you can think of the right thing for that character to say in that moment doesn't mean that the character thinks of the right thing to say in that moment. Now I'm not forgiving everything that a character ever does. Sometimes characters say or don't say or do or don't do things that are out of character, but I think it's completely within character for these, these who, I mean like Yeager is essentially like, she's a lost cause. Like they've got her. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, I think that there's a hurt there already from Yeager's past that maybe we'll learn about next season. I could absolutely see, um, uh, let's say like a, a, a Biggs type storyline of like him and his friends going to the Academy, finding out what the empire is really about. And then Yeager and some others deciding that they were going to jump ship, but, Mm. um, but one of his friends deciding to stay right. Or maybe even like betraying them. So you sort of think of that and, and, and Yeager joining the rebellion and why he joined the rebellion and what that may have cost him in his life. You can co- sort of see based on the way that he acts that he's like, whatever, we're not going to convince her. She's made her decision. You can't do anything about that. We have to save everybody else on the Colossus right now. Um, and for, for Kaz, I mean, this is Kaz we're talking about. He isn't um, particularly eloquent at the best of times. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't expect him to have the exact right thing to say in order to, uh, to save Tam in this moment. The other thing is that the story dictates that this happens. Um, and it's much better that it does than it doesn't. I, I actually said on Twitter, um, I watch a lot of shows. I podcast about a couple of them and I, I a lot of shows that I watch pull punches when it comes to stuff like this arrow being the absolute worst about it. Um, I'll have a lot to say about that on the episode of quiver this week. Um, sometimes it's more interesting to cause your audience a little bit of pain 
in order to to give them the payoff. This moment is the same as the moment of Anakin falling to the dark side. It's a it's a decision that that we don't want to see happen. Except that if it doesn't happen, we don't ever see Darth Vader. We don't get Luke Skywalker. We don't get Han Solo. We don't get any of the rest of the story. So it's a little bit more difficult to accept that when we don't know what the rest of that story is. Yeah. Uh, with 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 Anakin and Vader, we know where that's going. So it's all build up to that moment. With this, it's been a build up to a moment that's going in a direction that we don't yet know. So. Um, so it's a little bit more like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. That that said, I think that the response online has been overwhelmingly positive to this storyline. I think that that people are absolutely Star Wars fans are here for it. Like that's the thing, we yeah. get it. Yeah. Like this is not this isn't the, our first rodeo. Like we've seen a lot of characters uh, uh, make bad decisions, go the wrong way. Uh, and then it's the consequences, it's the repercussions that are interesting, right? Mm-hmm. That's where the stories are. So uh, for Tam to to all of a sudden go, no, wait, you're right, and to and to run and and go back to our heroes, well, then Tam's just another hero like everybody else, right? And she's just gonna kind of get lost in this cast of mm-hmm. characters. This way, Tam, who was at the beginning of the season, not that interesting is now infinitely more interesting. Sure. Yeah. Cause even of yeah, all the yeah. characters, I want to see her story. Right. Yeah. And even, even uh Cassie does say he's part of the resistance. Um, mm-hmm. And it says something like that to her. Uh, but again, it still ultimately doesn't phase her enough to, uh, to trade size. So she does grab the hand of tyranny and boards the, uh, boards the shuttle. But uh, Colossus Mike rising out of the water. That was a pretty epic scene. Uh, I did. I thought that it was uh, really cool to see how how they kind of animated it. Made it. It just. It gave the impression of how big this 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 ship this this you know station whatever you want to call it is. Just with the thrusters blasting underwater, slowly rising out. It's just really really cool scene right there. So um, props to uh, the animation, which I've always loved this animation from the time I saw. I just thought it was different. Uh, the colors and everything. Yeah, uh, they they kick killing it with the animation. So, um, yeah, you're up, Mike. I guess. Right. Yeah, I'll continue. A firefight erupts, and the first order leaders scramble to escape. Given the choice, Tam takes Tierney's hand and leaves her former friends behind. We covered this. Move on to the next one. <laughs> uh, the first order, uh, reinforcements arrive, and Thai fighters begin to pummel the station. Doza releases the aces and help comes in the form of Ant Z and Hype Phazen, who blasts the First Order craft with abandon. Kaz and Yeager get to the ships and take to the skies. One of the things I did love about this particular scene was the, I guess it's the the door of the, uh, I guess the hangar opens. You see these two tires just kind of floating there. Then out of nowhere, here comes Ant Z and Hype, blast them out of the sky. I thought that was a really cool scene. But just the whole... We get to see a battle, Mike and Cass. We get to see something that we've kind of been waiting for for a while. Uh, see the aces go out and do their thing. Uh, see Kaz and get to see Yeager uh, in his in a ship just going after. And him and Von Ray, they have a battle. But we'll talk about that in a second here. But yeah, just the whole thing, uh, this whole battle was fantastic to see. Cassie, any any thoughts on? Uh, I think that they got this part with the little bit of silly 
perfect. I really loved him, you know, shooting at the TIE fighter with his his gun. And then, you know, uh, Hype comes and shoots it and he he thinks it's him. So he goes to shoot to the other one. I feel like that's the perfect amount of Goofy. Uh, And I think they finally got that figured out. Good point. Um, No, but it was good to see them uh, flying because I feel like that's what we expected from this show and we're finally there now um and hopefully season two there'll be a lot more of that um yeah yeah mike i just had to have uh kind of delighted you to see these guys back in the era yeah i i finally in the last moments of season one (laughs) we get to see what we've been wanting the entire time right um there are two moments in this episode that really, really get me. One is this moment when I, I, the, obviously when Aunt Z and Hype arrive to save the day is a great triumphant Star Wars moment. But when the aces all launch, um, that is is just so great. It is mm. such a great moment. It's. Um, the formation of that squadron, I it's this is. I don't want to hype this up too much, but since hype Phazon is in this episode and he's part of the story, I'll hype it as much as I want. I yeah. this is one of those moments that I think we're gonna look back at in three or four years and go like, that's where it happened. That's when it started, right? So like this moment to me, th- this is what I wanted from from resistance all along and it it's the moment that we get that that gets delivered at the end of the 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 premiere of star wars rebels when kanan finally after two episodes of of heroics and running around and jumping and blasting and doing all sorts of stuff he's he's kind of enough is enough and the only way they're getting out of this is for him to make a stand and he pulls those two pieces of the lightsaber off of his belt puts them together and ignites that lightsaber and saves the day um and then the ghost rises up and he jumps to it and all that like that whole sequence that's what this was for me this was the aces finally unleashing this was them i i clicking that lightsaber together and igniting it that that scene of them all launching and then when they all kind of come together and make that spiral upwards um and then break apart into in and go off and start start fighting the tie fighters i'm just like that's what i signed up for um Mm. and if we can get more of that in season two i think we'll be a lot better off i think that's that's really i i it's one of those things where I'll be able to point back to it and go like, this is the part, this is the moment where the series becomes incredible. And that character, those characters go from being racers to being heroes and form whatever their Colossus squadron or the ACE squadron or whatever they end up calling themselves. Um, fireball squadron, whatever. Right. I, uh, and 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 they, like they become something bigger than any of their individual parts, um, mm-hmm. and obviously Kaz is is integral in that, um, and Kaz's moments throughout this are just they're just so fantastic. Um, 
yeah we, we tell we'll tell, we can talk a little bit more about that after we talk about some of these other parts yeah you said it man the aces and captain doza kind of he has that moment where he releases the aces because they're all kind of jailed up and mm-hmm. he goes hey, I have a station to defend and i'll jump in and it's just it's on and like you said it's kind of like a i don't know blue angels type moment where they're kind of together and like you said it was it just kind of reminded me of that so really cool stuff there um uh Cassie, i think you're up you ready yeah the two sides exchange exchange fire as the colossus ascends the station's forces outnumbered major von rag closes in on kaz just as a large craft emerges from the clouds kragan's private ship this time however the pirates have not come to pillage the colossus rather sinara has led them here to save her friends Ooh, i had a trouble getting that one out <laughs> <laughs> i think we uh we had talked about this mike a few yeah. times you know that this we kind of saw this coming but doesn't make it any less uh of a cool moment i mean i'll tell you what seeing her you know here's sonara she's coming in to help out and that pirate ship i gotta tell you uh, i loved just the look of that thing yeah. you know the, the color markings and the flags on it it just it stands out it's it just to me it just really stood out and it, it's like okay that's a pirate ship in this type of a saga that is cool and to see them kind of turn around and, and come help uh, the Colossus and the rest of them. Uh, just a really cool moment, you know. I just, you, it's one of those things. Like we said, we we kind of it was it was hinted at that they were coming, but it was cool nonetheless. Uh, any thoughts, Mike? Yeah, I um I I I love the pirate stuff. We've talked about it a lot in previous episode. I love the uglies, all of their uh, their kit bashed <laughs> ships, um, <laughs> and and I <laughs> that Gamorrean guard. Is that that's the, is that the first time that we've seen the Gamorrean in the stormtrooper armor? I think it might be. Probably, um, yeah. He really stood out to me this time around, at least, because uh, he's kind of got this great hero shot where he's doing the classic George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, the jumping up and down with the arms, like like the <laughs> like the yeah, we just blew up a Death Star, sort of uh, sort of pose. Um, yeah. I. I, I, like as they like after they dock or whatever right before they go to hyper, hyperspace and uh i just i love again the it this episode to me is the really the beginning of the series <laughs> everything else yeah. was just a prequel setup to get us to this point um and now that we're here now we actually get to see um the, the show that this is meant to be which i i I I just I love it. I love this concept of of all of these heroes um, stuck on this ship at the other end of the galaxy, uh, far from home, and uh, and it, what's better is that they're stuck with the pirates that they were fighting against for so long, which is obviously going to make some conflict later mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, it's it's going to be one of those things. It's like how these these pirates that were once attacking the the station um and and potentially have killed some people's friends now they have to coexist if everybody's going to survive and i yeah. uh, that's good drama like that is good storytelling they've just set that up without having to say anything at this point it's just there um and there's so much potential there for storytelling and obviously having Sinara back um is is going to be really great um, and those and those awesome designs of all that kit bashed imperial stuff the whether it's the the um 
the ships mm -hmm. uh, turned into the pirate vessels, or it's their armor, which is all former uh, Imperial troop armor. It's just, I love it all. It's all so great. Um, yeah, I just it, did. It's such yeah. a fun way to use cl callbacks and classic Star Wars stuff uh, in a new, exciting way. So. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm I'm very excited. This was the other moment that I was talking about. It's those two moments: the the that Blue Angels moment, and then when the pirates do show up, and it's like, first of all, there was a it was a moment of great pride because obviously I called it. Um, yeah. The second Sinara left, I was like, don't worry, she'll be back. Um, <laughs> but also, just like the the that those heroics, um, and my 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 hope for season two is that another pirate shows up. Um, somewhere in the uh, in the in the unknown regions or the outer rim, that's that uh, <laughs> that, uh, that could maybe help these guys yeah. sort out wow. uh, their their feelings. Uh, somebody who maybe we might see at Black Spire Outpost. Sure, yeah, uh, yeah. that would be interesting. Yeah. That would be a good one to show up there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like I we end up at Black Spire at some point, but I. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, at which point we will have to run into Hondo if we do. Um, cool. cool. How about I wrap this up? Here we go. Yeah, let's uh, but with the arrival of a Star Destroyer, making their escape becomes even more urgent. Doza continues to move the Colossus upward while Kaz pulls off an astonishing maneuver, piloting through the platform to blast Von Reg and save Yeager. The heroes of the Colossus return to the station, just as it makes the jump to light speed for Dakar home of the resistance or so they thought niku was unable to input complete hyperspace coordinates so their destination is a mystery well wherever we're going at least we're all together kaz says most of us obviously mm. that last line is is referring to tam but um yeah so it's a bit of a bittersweet ending but i love that we end on a very classic star wars frame of uh sort of our lineup of aces and heroes uh staring out the the hangar at uh oh. at the hyperspace tunnel hey like yeah they it's no secret that this show had a rocky start this mm -hmm. ending absolutely paid off everything though it it the buildup was not for nothing. This is this is where if this is an, an indication of where the series is going, then it was all totally worth it. Um, yeah, I'm sad that that we're not going to get to see these characters interact with our other resistance heroes right away. Um, I was hoping that that's what we would be getting. Obviously, we talked a lot about the idea of of mm -hmm. the Colossus being a base of operations for the resistance. Um, moving forward and that maybe we would learn in episode nine that some stuff has happened that can still happen. Um, and, and then we fill in the gaps of how they, how they got from here to there um, since episode, since episode eight. Um, but it does answer one of the big questions, which is why didn't the Colossus answer the call um, mm -hmm. on crate. Right. And now we know why. Um, and, exactly. but, but, but again, look, we have so many question marks about episode nine as to when it takes place, how far into the future it is, all that sort of stuff that, um, 
it's entirely possible that that by the time of episode nine we like the the colossus has made it back to um to to the you know known space and uh and is working with the the resistance but yeah um yeah i mean the, i think the mo- the best we can hope for next season is possibly something to do with some some members of the ghost crew but that oh. said i just i that story i think will be will have been resolved by that point i think um so we've talked about this before sabine yeah. and ahsoka take off for the unknown regions just after return of the jedi so um there's a lot of years in between there so hopefully they're not still looking for ezra if they are yikes <laughs> well I, th- I think they'll they're they're they know that everybody who loved rebels and especially people who love ahsoka are gonna watch that show mm-hmm. so i don't i think they're gonna make sure to do it on its own i don't I think, think so we'll too. seeing any of them here the end here had me like kind of nervous because i knew if they went to dakar it was not going to be good yeah. um yeah and so i loved how you know uh niku's blunder kind of I mean, they don't know it, but it saved them because we know, you know, one ship made it out of Dakar. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. That was like, I was genuinely like, no, no, do not go to Dakar. That is a bad idea. And so I thought, I thought that that was a good spot where like Niku saves the day being himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jar Jar moment almost, you know, I, I, I had talked about that last week, like, First of all, the Star Destroyer coming out of the – just showing up and starts bombarding uh, the Colossus. I mean, obviously, they had no choice, but they had to, they, to get out of there and hit the hyperspace. But uh, I talked about that last week, Mike, about – well, it's not – of course, it's either going to be Dakar or – I don't know. I guess they can't go to Cray because they don't know about that yet. But that was like the only legitimate choice that they could go to because they got the coordinates from, from Leia. She's the one that sent them like, hey, this is where we're going to be. The car is obviously the logical choice, but like you said, Cassie, it was a, kind of a blunder that they are not quite going there. We don't know where they're going. Um, but again, another thing I wanted to mention, too, is this this uh, fight with Kaz, Yeager, and Von Reg, this little um, battle they had going on. Uh, I thought that was really cool, too, to not only show Yeager was good, but, man, they really showed that Von Reg was one not to be messed with because Yeager was having trouble with him. And if it wasn't for Kaz, I think Yeager might've been in some serious trouble uh, with Von Reg. So I thought that was cool how he kind of goes through the, uh, I guess the Colossus. And we've kind of seen that before with, uh, I think, um, didn't uh, Hera do that when she was fighting uh, back in Rebels? She kind of did the same type of maneuver where she went through, through a ship or something like that. So, uh, um, but yeah, I tell you what, Mike, the end of this thing, like you brought, so many questions, right? Like you got Kel and Elia, the twins, what's going to happen with them? They're hinting that they could be force sensitive, at least she is. Uh, Tam, what's going to happen to her? Kaz and the rest of the crew, where are they going to end up? Where are they going? Uh, Yeager, we got some information throughout this season about Yeager and his backstory. Uh, what's going to happen with him? So when you start to think about it, a lot of story threads out there that are still wide open. So this is a, this again, like you said, really great way to end this up. Like you said, Mike, with hyperspace and kind of everybody looking out like, okay, here we go. Next adventure. So a uh, solid, solid uh, ending to the series. Uh, any, any final thoughts, Mike? 
Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the greatest things about this show is that it was very self-contained episode to episode. Mm-hmm. So um, now that it's awesome, <laughs> and I'm going to go tell people how awesome it is, I I it'll be very easy for me to put to, put together a list of like, okay, you don't have to watch all of season one. Watch it if you want to, but here are the episodes you absolutely have to watch. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very it, it it in that respect it becomes a very short season, um, probably about like eight episodes, um, which is nice. I in terms of getting people on board with with tuning in for season two. Um, but it is very much a, a a bittersweet thing of like oh awesome everything's great now, um, now we have to wait and see what's going to happen in season two. It's going to, it's going to be a while. I think we'll probably get a trailer at celebration, but, um, and, and maybe celebration attendees are going to get their first opportunity to watch an episode. I, it would be very cool if people at celebration get to see an episode of resistance and an episode of clone wars. What, what day is that? Is that panel? I forgot. I think that resistance is either the Sunday or the Monday. Cause I think clone wars is the Saturday. Mm-hmm. I know for sure I'm trying to get to the Clone Wars one, but oh. <laughs> yeah. so I'll let y'all know if yeah. anything interesting happens. Um, yeah. Are you going to be there for the full five days, or you're not going to be able? No, to No, I'm for only going Saturday and Sunday. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. So I, yeah, it's it's going to be it, it, it. There's a lot of question marks about season two, whether or not the show is going to change in tone a little bit. Um, Obviously, uh, I Clone Wars went through a very big change from season one to season two, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, in season three they abandoned the anthology aspect of it entirely. Um, oh. But if you go back to those early episodes of season one, which Matt and I did last summer, there's a lot more comedy in there than. Uh, than there was in in subsequent seasons. Even when we got into episodes like the Jar Jar episodes in season uh, six and and um, and uh, the <laughs> Sunny Day in the Void uh, storyline oh in season five. Um, even with that stuff, it, the series took on a much more serious tone as it went on uh, into, into season two. I could see that happening here um, where, where they realize, Oh, we kind of kind of misjudged the audience a little bit. I, I think the biggest thing that they have to remember is that as much as they want to be making this stuff for kids, you have to make these shows for the older kids and the younger kids will follow. Like I, to me, one of the worst things about about animation is this pandering attitude that that creators sometimes take to like oh well you know this is a show for kids so we got to make sure that we've got some silly jokes and we've got this and that in it um not realizing that like young kids also want serious stories with drama um and and i think that that content that's being produced nowadays is very uh, it's very sweet. It's very uh, uh, sort of safe for kids, especially the stuff that's on on the Disney channels. Mm-hmm. But the great stuff, the stuff that stands out to me, 
is now and has always had an element of danger to it. Um, I think of the movies that I grew up on, the movies and the stories that I grew up on. And I think of like the never ending story and Willow, which are very much considered to be kids movies. And yet they are terrifying at times. Um, And I think that star Wars falls in that same, in that same sort of tone where it's like, yeah, there's jokes. Yeah. They're, yeah, it's fun. But you don't need Jar Jar Binks in order for kids to be into it. You've got laser swords and spaceships. <laughs> like, like, come on. Like, that's worth the price of admission as it is. Um, it doesn't really take anything else. And so I hope that they that they start to realize that a little bit more in season two. And they start telling some more mature stories. And, and, and that they tone down some of the slapstick and the, and the silly comedy a little bit. Um, you've got Niku, so it's not going to go away. You've got Flix and Orca, so um, you know all of that is going to still be present. But I really want to see Kaz grow into the role of leader um, and 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 become a hero. Um, and he's yeah. got a long ways to go still. But but the last two episodes, um, he he did a lot of growing up, and I hope that that continues. I hope that when we come back to these characters in season two that that has progressed a little bit um and i hope that we get new character designs next season i hope we get like new new yeah. outfits and stuff um that stuff's always my favorite but yeah yeah i mean is that's the thing is is next season going to start with them coming out of hyperspace or are they already going to going to be where the destination wherever the coordinates were mm-hmm. again more more stuff to to ponder and i definitely think that we're going to they're going to change it up. I mean, we saw the, obviously the growth of Ezra through Rebels, and uh, we saw him do that his his growing up. So I, I would think we'd see that with with uh, with Star Wars Resistance as well, and seeing Kaz kind of grow into a a leader. Um, and I guess we'll see what uh, again. We don't know how far this is going, how many seasons. We know a season two, and that's all we know now. So hopefully, we'll get more at uh, Celebration, a little more insight into where they're actually going with this, but. Uh, yeah, decent. Uh, like I said earlier, Mike, uh, Cassie, it's started off rough and, you know, people were just, ah, I don't know about this. It's OK, but definitely picked up its uh, its speed and its stride towards the end of the year and, and finished out really strong. So uh, good stuff. Uh, we got some uh, emails and stuff, right, too, Mike? Yeah, I uh, lots of people had a lot to say about this episode. Um, but, uh, I've, I've sort of singled out too. Um, we've got uh, a comment, a post on Facebook from David Contreras, uh, who says, Hey, rebel sells these star Wars animation podcast. Thanks for keeping going with resistance. Like you, I felt it was a very slow start, but season one got so much better by the end. Can't wait to see where it goes in season two. Quick question. Was there any explanation for why the show had such a terrible time slot? It didn't Mm. make sense from a kid's point of view. Initially, I thought maybe the showrunners knew they had a dud and just wanted to burn through the episodes. But then they announced the season two was coming. Nothing really makes sense. Um, I apologize for that motorcycle that just drove by, if you guys heard that. Oh, my dog's been barking, so. (laughs) I haven't heard that, so you're you're safe. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, so here's the thing about 24-hour kids' channels. If they play an episode of a show, whatever day that premieres on is irrelevant because Resistance is on probably six or seven times a week. 
um, at different times and yeah. uh, uh, in constant reruns um, because there's only so much content on Disney Channel and uh, they're they're constantly cycling through. So um, it it was weird that they decided to put it on Sunday nights, I I but not a terrible terrible time slot. No, Just well, here's not, the thing. not really for kids. It it was a little bit confusing because that time slot sort of implied more of a Star Wars Rebels or Clone Wars tone, and we yeah. got more of like an Avatar: The Last Airbender tone uh, uh-huh. out of this show. So that it could have absolutely been like a Saturday morning thing, um, and I think it actually would have paired really well with Ducktales. They that those two shows should have been a back to back thing, and they could have created a Saturday morning kind of feel. But that doesn't exist anymore. And I think that us older fans, we look at it and go like, oh, but Saturday morning cartoons, is that doesn't matter to kids now. Kids now, right. they're not even watching it on TV. They're right. watching these things on on devices right. through apps, right? So um, yeah. I sound like an old person when I talk like that. But, <laughs> uh, but like that is like that is how a lot of people, kids especially, are are – uh, are consuming content yeah. nowadays, so I really don't think that the time slot matters. I think I think the thing that they get out of having it on Sunday night is that it then um, it's the first thing that people talk about on Monday morning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Get through to Wednesday when we got the Star Wars show, and then you know and then we talk about whatever that was for a couple of days, and then get excited for the episode of Resistance on the weekend, right? Um, sort of a bit of a cycle there, but that was a bizarre. That was a bizarre time frame, no doubt. When they did announce it was is that late, where everybody was kind of scratching. I was like, "That's really odd." And everybody talked about the family thing, and and for I, and actually, in my case, it's on at seven p.m. Uh, so mm-hmm. well in a time frame, if you had young children that wanted to watch it before they went to bed on a Sunday, it's still at seven o'clock on my time. But I think I think another part of it is, is, is a big part, of Mike, is what you said. It's, it's it's the streaming aspect. It's the DVR now. You can tape all the stuff, and you can watch it on your devices. And like you said, a lot of kids, uh, mine included, you know, watch everything on their phone nowadays and watch everything on the iPad or whatever. So very rarely do they jump on the TV anymore. It's all about YouTube and streaming. So, uh, Cassie, when did it when did it play? And because I don't even know where are you at actually. I'm in Kentucky. Okay, so it would be what 10 like- o'clock time then? I'm assuming. Right now, yes. As far as the show, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's it's nine or ten. I don't know. I I watch it online. I mean, personally. Yeah, right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that says anything. That's why Although, you're I, that's why you're here, Cassie, to keep us in touch with the with the younger fans. <laughs> yeah, but I think I don't ever remember like as a kid waiting for a show to like for a new episode to come out. Like you're just oh, cool, like, I haven't seen this episode before, you know, watching the TV. Mm-hmm. You just have your you have your TV just playing Disney Channel over and over and over again, and it's whatever's on's on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know if other kids are different, but I know that that's not a thing that, like, when The Clone Wars was coming out, it wasn't one of those things where I was like, oh, there's a new episode, I, I need to watch it. You know, I love The Clone Wars, but... I only watched it when it was on. Now I knew when it was on. I would like scroll forward in the in the 
uh, TV listings to see when it was on, but whatever episode was on, it's just, that's what I watched. Mm, Yeah. You gotta just have, like you said, 24 seven Disney, the channel's just on and you just watch whatever's on at that time. It happens to be DuckTales, Star, whatever. It's it's on. It's always playing. Yeah, I get it. Makes sense. Um, oh, we got another one too, Mike. Uh, yeah. Twitter. Yeah, um, on Twitter, uh, AP Flores uh, tweeted, finale was amazing. The dog fights were impressive, and I was left satisfied to Kaz's skills as a pilot. Uh, Arkwolf called it about the pirates joining the fight, even though Kaz's homeworld and family are gone. Ending left the ending left you positive and hopeful, very Star Wars. And yeah, I like that's that's a yeah. great review of the episode. I totally agree with all that. Um, sure. It did it definitely, even though like they were lost in space, uh, it it definitely has a very hopeful vibe. Um, as Kaz says, you know, at least we're all together. Um, yeah, but yeah, there like, is that a little bit of bittersweet to it as well because they've lost him but um, right. yeah they got away from the first order uh that was kind of their major thing and i think they were excited about that you know happy to get away from the from that threat and whatever is on the other side of this hyperspace is probably not going to be as bad as what they were dealing with obviously at the moment so yeah it's that hopeful vibe of yeah. getting some help and 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 what kaz is ultimately trying to do meet up with the resistance and leia and the rest of the team so uh, very helpful. Yeah, that's yeah. it, though. Cool. Uh, well, you know what? That's uh, that's it. Yeah, that's it for season one of Star Wars Resistance. Um, thank you, everybody who's been listening through with us and sticking with the podcast. I, I sort of through thick and thin. Um, we really appreciate it. Um, the numbers stayed steady from the last season of Rebels until now. So um, I don't know how many people are new listeners uh, versus how many people have stuck with us for the long haul. I know a handful of you are are uh, still around from day one but uh, with, uh, with Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. But whether you guys jumped on this season to join us, or you've been there since the beginning. Uh, it's uh, the whole reason that Matt and I do this uh, is because you guys are out there listening. So, uh, so thanks for sticking with it and enjoying what we could of Star Wars Resistance uh, through the first half of the season. And obviously, the second half of the season was was a, a big improvement. So, um, I don't want to sound too negative. It was, overall, it was a good season. Um, I'm I'm satisfied with where we're at and what we got, but I uh, but yeah, it's been a it's been a real bumpy ride <laughs> since yeah, the fall. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. But we did it, we made it through. Um, Matt and I are going to take a bit of a break. I uh, Star Wars Celebration is coming up uh, April 11th to 15th. I want to say, um, so that's only a few weeks away. That's about th- two two and a half yep. three weeks away oh, at this yeah. point. Uh, and uh, when when celebration starts, we're gonna have lots of coverage. Still trying oh. to figure out exactly what that's gonna be, um, yeah. but uh, I think that uh, we might do a podcast. I'm gonna put this out there and see what you guys think. But I think we might do an episode every day recapping any major yeah. news. 
um, sure. sort of what I, it, when the schedule comes out, I'll have a better idea of that because I'll be able to look at it and go, okay, is there even news to talk about on Thursday? Um, is there a panel on Thursday that's gonna that's gonna kick things off, sort of thing, um, with uh, with some details and whatnot. But uh, uh, regardless, we'll be back for celebration. Uh, Cassie is going to Star Wars Celebration, so I'm gonna expect a, a good report about that when you get home from Star Wars Celebration. Is your first celebration? It is. Yeah, so um, that's exciting. Uh, good one. Have lots of fun. Uh, yeah, good too. And uh, yeah. I, hopefully, you can meet up with some of our uh, some of our friends and say hi, because uh, Matt and I won't be there. But um, yeah, I'll fill if, in. Yeah, if you are going to Star Wars Celebration, be sure to let us know all about it on social media and everything. And uh, I, well, yeah, we'll be back uh, sometime after Celebration to do our. Um, what is it? I guess it's about five episodes of, of uh, Lego Star Wars All-Stars, um, which we've neglected. We have very much neglected, but I got to get Matt to watch it. And the only way I'm going to get him to watch it is if we talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> so, I uh, yeah, there's stuff in there I definitely want to talk about. So that's going to be coming soon. In the meantime, Cassie, you got episodes of Forces of Destiny recap coming up, right? Yes, I've done an awful job at updating it the last couple of weeks, but I have an episode. I'm in the middle of editing now, so I'm. we're going to be back. I'm going to be more consistent, uh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, cool. Well, I uh, that does it for now. I If, if you need podcasts to listen to in between, um, while Matt and I take a little bit of a break, I... Uh, I highly suggest you go to patreon.com slash thunderquack and sign up for the, the uh, Thunderquack podcast uh, or sign up for our Patreon and get the Thunderquack podcast where Amanda and I talk about all sorts of geeky stuff. Um, we do that once a month as an exclusive. Uh, but uh, with Arrow ending, that might be changing soon. So, uh, so yeah, uh, go check that out and obviously go to thunderquack.com to check out all the other podcasts. But uh, that does it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening. You can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars animation news by heading to rebelcells.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebelspodcast and on Twitter at rebelspodcast as well as on Instagram at rebelcells. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. You can follow Matt at the crankster. That's crankster with a K. And Cassie, I didn't pre- I didn't prep this in, uh, ahead of time. What's your Twitter and Instagram if you want people to yeah, follow you? You can you can follow me on Twitter at Cassie Sketch. That's C A S S I E S C U T C H. Cool. Uh, so go follow Cassie there. I uh, of course you guys know we're a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com. Uh, and if you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by going to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merchandise. And uh, second, by, as I said before, heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in your monthly pledge of support. A uh, dollar gets you access to the Thunderquack podcast, the Facebook group. I'm looking into Discord. I don't really know what Discord is because I'm old. Uh, not as old as Matt, but still old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I uh, but uh, apparently that's a big deal. Uh, I don't know, but uh, so we might be looking into that if people are interested um, in, in creating an exclusive uh, community over there tied into the Patreon. 
Um, and there are other rewards at higher tiers. Um, and we're going to actually have some changes coming soon to the reward tiers. So stay tuned to, to the Patreon, um, which you can actually, if even if you're not a, a supporter, even if you don't pledge uh, your monthly support with, with like money, you can go over there and you can follow stuff on Patreon as well. So there are things that get released on Patreon um, that that aren't necessarily exclusives um and we're going to be doing more of that sort of stuff moving forward as we sort of move into whatever the next phase is after uh after quiver ends with uh with arrow ending next season so um so so the patreon is going to get a lot more active and uh you can check that out at patreon.com slash thunderquack give it a follow uh and also this is the end of the season. This is the last thing I'll say, and then we'll ra- we'll wrap it up for good. Uh, head head over to iTunes. Head over to Google Play, the store, wherever you're listening to the podcast. If there's uh, a place to rate and review the podcast, do us a favor and leave a rating and a review. Let us know what you think, good and bad, because I definitely read all of the feedback and uh, and and take the 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 criticisms along with the uh the the accolades uh so that we know what we need to work on in order to get better so yeah head over to itunes wherever you're listening to this um and leave us a review um and a rating i mean preferably positive but uh uh, (laughs) you know you do you i cool that's it for this week's episode uh thank you everybody so much for listening thank you for following us through season one of star wars resistance uh we'll be back soon with Star Wars Celebration coverage and uh, Lego Star Wars All-Stars. Uh, but uh, thank you, Matt, for for uh, being my faithful co-pilot all season and sticking with it. And uh, and thank you, Cassie, for being on this episode to wrap up the season and for everything else you're doing with, uh, with Forces of Destiny. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Yeah.